Under the executive order I'm signing today, we will prioritize federal grants from the Department of Justice to police departments that seek independent credentialing, certifying that they meet high standards, and in fact, in certain cases, the highest standard. That's where they do the best on the use of force and de-escalation training. For example, many believe that proper training might have prevented the tragic deaths of Antoine Rose and Botham Jean. As part of this new credentialing process, chokeholds will be banned, except if an officer's life is at risk. And I will say we've dealt with all of the various departments, and everybody said, it's time. We have to do it. That is U.S. President Donald Trump today. So let's dive into the latest happenings in the U.S. We'll start there. To do that, we are checking in with Cicchini, Reggie Cicchini, our producer reporter in the U.S. Capitol for Global News. Reggie, as always, thank you for taking a few minutes for us. Anytime. So Donald Trump, you heard it right there. He has signed an executive order. What does that order actually mean? Is it is it going to ban chokeholds? Well, I mean, it is saying that chokeholds are not going to be allowed unless an officer feels that their life is in need. And then the questions will be uh, asked rather to see, you know, who's going to determine whether or not the officer's life was actually uh, uh, facing some kind of a threat. Yeah. So realistically here, yes, this executive order does have some ground to it. The issue is, is that Congress is also working on their own individual pieces of legislation in the House and the Senate. So it's unclear what's actually going to happen. And at the end of this, realistically, this is the very first few steps that protest, uh, protesters have been calling for. It is worth noting that the words used in this executive order don't do anything to deal with systemic racism uh, and racial profiling in law enforcement. The president choosing his words very carefully, understanding that he cannot go against the police unions because he needs them politically for his political future later on this year. Definitely stood out to me that he did not mention George Floyd. Well, he didn't mention George Floyd. He didn't mention the recent incident in Atlanta. He didn't have any of the families that he was meeting with prior to that uh, that had uh, that were families of police brutality. Uh, none of them were present with him in the Rose Garden. Uh, I mean, he was with a whole bunch of law enforcement officials. None of them were wearing masks. That's a different story. But there were a lot of issues with uh, with the way that the president presented this executive order. Again, uh, the conversation being the fact that the president appears blind to the current situation. It was quite a press availability, I guess, for the president. He went on a couple of rather rambling tangents. Uh, One real uh, standout was certainly when he started talking about an AIDS vaccine. Well, this was this is the president when he starts to go off script. You can see that he's no longer reading the teleprompter in front of him. And he was he he parlayed into uh, the great things that are happening around the world, notably when it comes to the covid pandemic, and then talked about how doctors have been actively uh, you know working to deal with the AIDS crisis and then talked about there being an AIDS vaccine and then caught himself and said and and other therapeutics for AIDS. Uh, this is just simply what happens when the president uh, is not paying attention to the actual situation that he's supposed to be talking about and goes off one of his riffs, you know, it becomes the talking point, which then takes the attention away from what he was actually supposed to be doing. Yeah, it gets to be a lot of sparkly things. So go back to COVID-19 in the United States. Where are we as of today, as of June 16th? 
We are looking at uh, quickly approaching 120,000 deaths in this country. Uh, coronavirus cases topping or approaching 2.2 million. Uh, the IHME, which had just updated their models to say that there would be 200,000 deaths by the end of October, have now uh, slightly increased that again to about 202,000 deaths. The numbers just keep going up here. What's important to look at are state-by-state numbers and Florida uh, just reported uh, its highest count. There were 3,000 cases reported in a 24-hour period in Florida. Arizona had 2,300. You're now looking at 5,000 cases in two states that are very quickly approaching numbers that New York had at the very beginning of its outbreak. And we have to question whether or not the numbers being reported in Florida are even at all accurate, right? But there's been a lot of buzz about that. There has been, and there was uh, there was a data, a data input clerk who was actually taken out of their job because uh, she was putting numbers out that weren't being approved by the state, but she's now running her own site to try and get the actual numbers put out there. And we've heard from the very beginning uh, that the numbers were simply uh, being underreported because of the way the testing was being carried out, the way that people were being treated in hospitals, in the way that, uh, you know, if you if you died and there was no test carried out on you, that number may not have been counted. So there is a fear that these numbers are much higher. We heard Dr. Fauci say uh, just a couple of weeks ago that this current outbreak right now is his nightmare. What's incredibly, you know, mind-blowing to, to think about right now is Dr. Fauci was on the local Washington, D.C. NPR station today, and he said that he hasn't heard from the president in two weeks. And this is the man who was leading the president's coronavirus task force. What? I don't even know what to say to that. He has Dr. Fauci, who's leading the task force, has not heard from the president in, well, what we call in British Columbia, one incubation period. Well, and I mean, this this goes back to what I said earlier, the president holding that news conference today in the Rose Garden, they pushed all the reporters chairs together. So they were sitting on top of each other. And there were 20 people standing behind the president. Nobody was wearing a mask and nobody was social distancing. It's because this president has quickly now moved beyond the economy uh, and back into the political sphere uh, of what's important to him. And the, the coronavirus is a month old story now that he is simply no longer paying attention to. Okay, can we talk about this rally? Rally? Because that, that seems like where this is going. We got to forget about the coronavirus. We got to push everybody together because I'm going to jam 20,000 people into an arena to start holding rallies again. Is that right? And rally tickets being sold or reserved? Yeah, and handed out. And, you know, the president yesterday said that, uh, you know, a million requests had come in for uh, uh, access into this event in Tulsa. You know, a million is several times more the population of Tulsa. So we've got to take those numbers with a bit of a grain of salt or two. Mm-hmm. Uh, but there have been conversations that have sparked off over the last 24 hours about whether or not some of the events for this might actually be held outside uh, to try and ensure that there would be some level of safety for the people that were attending that are going Going to be attending this rally this week. We now know that that's not going to happen. The president is going to have these people inside. Uh, you know, it, it's it's unclear whether there's going to be you know seats in between each person. When oftentimes it's a standing room only event, uh, but there is a high risk and a high fear from Tulsa's uh, health department that this is going to cause an increase in their numbers two weeks from now. Jody Vance in for Jill Bennett, and uh, we continue checking in with Chikini, our Global News Washington correspondent. And uh, Reggie, there's a, an, an historic vote coming down in D.C. Can you tell us about the, the wish, the want for statehood? Yeah. 
Yeah, this is this is a big moment for uh, for residents of Washington D.C. Especially, uh, a lot of people don't realize it, but Washington D.C. is not a state. It's simply just a, a federal district in the United States that happens to be the home to seven and a little bit hundred thousand people. Uh, and it doesn't get any representation in the Senate. It only has kind of a, a congressperson who just does things at large, which is why license plates in D.C. say "taxation without representation." Uh, and there's a fight uh, as to whether or not this should actually become a state. Republicans don't want it to because it's overwhelmingly Democratic here and it would provide more Democrats uh, in the U.S. Congress. But for the first time in Washington history, next week, the House is going to vote on Washington, D.C. becoming a state and it has overwhelming support. So it will likely pass the House next week. It will likely fail in the Senate and definitely would fail if it reached the president's desk. But for the first time in American history, Washington, D.C. has a chance, even though a slim chance, of actually becoming the 51st state. So once it makes it through the House and goes to the Senate is denied, or if it made it through the Senate and got to the president and was totally vetoed, could it be brought back again sooner? Is this one step closer or does this set it back? No, this has been, uh, this is, there's been an attempt to get a vote on this numerous times. It actually okay. went to the House for a vote, uh, in the 1990s and it was actually overturned by a then Democratic held Senate. Uh, but this is something that could happen again. You know, after this coming election, if there happens to be kind of a blue flip in Washington and we see the Democrats take control of the Senate, we see a Democrat in the White House, there is an opportunity here for, uh, this to move through and, and, and actually pass. You know, there are additional steps that would have to go along the way because would require a change to the Constitution. But this is something that D.C. residents really have been looking for, because at the end of the day, there is a mayor here and there is a local council, but they are governed by Congress. And at the and Congress can actually overturn any rule uh, that local government makes in D.C. So it makes it really hmm. difficult to carry out day to day life in Washington. Wow, to get anything done. Interesting. Can you debunk a couple things for me while we have you on the line here, Reggie? Um, seeing I've had a couple people actually just while speaking with you send me DMs by Twitter uh, with that that screen cap or screen grab, I guess, of uh, the Craigslist ad that's con gone rather viral um, looking for actors, 500 actors to hold up pro-Trump signs. I went to Snopes and checked it out and it says unproven. Have you seen this making rounds there? I mean, I've seen a couple of people tweet about this Craigslist uh, uh, posting looking for excited and enthusiastic minority actors and actresses uh, to hold signs at an event in Tulsa. I can't uh, confirm or deny whether or not any of that is actually true. It could simply just be, uh, you know, something to try and, and make waves uh, on, on, on the Internet. But, you know, th mm -hmm. these are simply things that happen when the president holds an event somewhere. See, and, and going through it and doing our due diligence as we do, and I and I love that you your answer is, I don't know, because people are trying to make things noisy on the internet. And this is one of those things that people grab onto and say, see, aha, this is what's happening. It's like, whoa, whoa, hold your horses, check your sources. And you go through, and I love Snopes.com as a resource, because it will tell you unproven, or if it's confirmed, it'll say true. And if it's proven false, it is announced as false. But this sort of post has shown up in one form or another ever since Trump came into office, July 2016, October 2018, August 2017. Like, there's a list of these sorts of posts that have made the attempt to, to sort of disrupt the news cycle. 
Yeah, and I mean, look, anytime there is some kind of a protest taking place around the country, whether or not it's at a Trump rally or as we even saw, uh, you know, with the protests that have been taking place over the last three weeks, the president will talk about paid professional protesters that are usually what he sees as being hired back then by the Hillary Clinton campaign or being hired by the Joe Biden campaign. And 99.9% of the time, if not 100% of the time, this is simply just the president trying to fight back against a group that is fighting back against the president. Uh, and instead of, you know, taking any kind of responsibility by saying maybe some of the things that I did uh, in my administration are are bothersome to people, uh, he just makes these points of saying people are, you know, being paid to come out and protest. And that's that's simply usually not what the case is with this one, with this Tulsa one. You know, I, I can't verify any of that, but it just this, this kind of plays into the president's uh, uh, phrasing when it comes to yeah. protesters. It, it seems rather cyclical. For some reason, it just it feels that way. Let's talk a little bit about Jacksonville and the um, Republican National Convention going to Jacksonville, Florida, Florida, as you mentioned prior to the break, uh, the the spiking COVID-19 numbers and the Jacksonville mayor, Lenny Curry, saying we're filling up the arena. Filling up the arena and excited about that. I mean, between his con- press conference and the uh, uh, the governor's press conference, Ron DeSantis, both of them are acting as this. You know, this is this is the best thing that could have ever happened to the state, despite the fact that there is an incredible health risk. And the reason that it's happening in Florida is because the Democratic governor of North Carolina said that it was simply too much of a risk to put all of these people inside of uh, of a venue, which led to a back and forth fight between uh, the president. Now, with this convention being pulled out and put into Florida. It's left uh, Charlotte, North Carolina, realistically to, to fight all these millions in contract liabilities uh, that the president is out of there. Uh, you know, we're still two months away ish from this convention. And if Florida's numbers really go up from where they are right now, this could pose a serious risk and a serious threat, not only to everybody that's uh, kind of getting ready for this party, but also for the president himself when he's going to be standing in a room with 20 some odd thousand people. Uh, the president is of an advanced age and he mm-hmm. is one of the people that are considered at risk if you are in uh, a high contact setting. This is something else. It's so out there. Um, This might be yesterday's news, but it's big enough. And we didn't have uh, checking in with Chikini yesterday. So I want to talk about this today. The Supreme Court ruling, the overwhelming ruling uh, for LGBTQ2 plus civil rights being actual civil rights, just plain and simple. Did this monumentous ruling uh, come as a surprise or was it received beautifully as it was here north of the border uh, in the United States? What's the reaction to it? I mean, look, it was received uh, uh, beautifully by people who were pushing for civil rights laws to be uh, uh, passed across the board so that every person is protected, no matter who they are, no matter who they love, and no matter what they identify as in this country. Uh, It was widely uh, accepted by most people. Uh, Some people in the White House were a little put off at one of the president's uh, personal choices and nominees for Supreme Court uh, going against what the administration's actions have been over the last three years, up to and including a recent move that was uh, that's essentially allowing discrimination against uh, people who identify uh, as LGBTQ uh, when it comes to health care. But m- really what's going on here is we, we are seeing that religious conservatives and people on the far right are really rattled by this right now. And this could have an effect on the president's electability later on this year because they'll see this as an affront to them. Uh, so the president may have found himself in hot water based on one of his own uh, Supreme Court justices uh, who realistically decided that everybody should be treated equally under the law did the right thing 
by the majority, by the the mass majority of the people of the United States, but fascinating when so much fear has surrounded how the Supreme Court would evolve and change and and lean further and further to uh, a right wing agenda. And clearly with yesterday's ruling, not such a worry at this point. Yeah. And I mean, look, this could have long lasting effects going down the road now. You know, I just did a story over the weekend about there's going to be a Supreme Court battle against a Catholic adoption agency who sued the city of Philadelphia because they lost their contract when the city said, if you're not going to adopt your children out to uh, same sex couples, we're going to take your contract away because you're taxpayer funded. Uh, this could have an impact on that now by the Supreme Court saying, look, if everybody's being treated as equal, you cannot judge against somebody when uh, you're trying to adopt out children from uh, from the services and into uh, a family. So there are long lasting impacts with this. You know, it is also important to remember here the Supreme Court Justice, uh, uh, Chief Justice John Roberts also went along with this ruling. And five years ago, he went against the ruling for same sex marriage fascinating reggie when do we get to see that story you're working on that sounds excellent it just ran over the weekend the article is up uh, at globalnews.ca uh, and it's something that is likely going to take place uh, within the next couple of months so this is going to be one of those stories to watch to see if uh, if precedent is going to have been set with the way that people are now being treated equal under the law with the law of the land all right i missed it on the weekend i'm going to globalnews.ca to check out reggie cicchini's story always a pleasure to check in with you reggie thank you for uh, giving us the cole's notes on a very busy time